Welcome to the Buy Box Bandits podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Buy Box Bandits brought to you by Fulch Miles and All Out Amazon. Thanks so much for listening. Today, we're going to be getting super tactical for the beginners listening on how to get started selling Amazon in 2024, step by step by step. Everything you need to know to get started. We're joined by the man's fields of profit today. Good to have you on, Warner. Great to be back. Good to see you, boys. Man. Is Absolutely. this number two or three on three. the channel? First I think it's time three. in about yeah, a year. Yeah. yeah. So Warner joined us for the How to Get Started song on Amazon for Beginners 2023 episode. So overall, right, we just want to break down around 30 minutes for you guys, everything you guys need to know to get started. And then Warner, where do you think in terms of if someone's brand new listening to Box Bandits, they're wanting to get in the space, what's the first couple of steps to start making sales as quick as possible? Yeah, absolutely. And the the biggest thing you need to remember is you need you need to make the sale, right? That's what people think about is like, how do I get into the space or how do I like start learning about Amazon as fast as possible? No. How do I make a sale as fast as possible? Because you need to have that proof of concept. Your brain needs to say like, oh, this is a legit opportunity. And then obviously, you know, you're digging into uh to YouTube videos, you know, Miles Garrett, I we all have good um free content for you, you know, free course videos, all that kind of stuff for you to take advantage of. Um, but the biggest thing is you need to get proof of concept, make a sale as soon as possible. So what I like to like, you know, how does how does it even work? How does how do I send things to Amazon? What does it look like when I make a sale? Figure all literally, that out as you go. Yeah. 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 Literally pull out the Amazon seller app, scan books that you have laying around at home, the ones still collecting dust and send those in. Make your first sales that way. Just proof of concept. And, you know, there's there's lots of free resource, all that kind of stuff we'll get into today. But yeah, you need to make that sale with something that's free as soon as possible. It's interesting because like until that first sale or first couple sales happen, we're all just a bunch of talking heads, right? Because yeah. all the things we say are just are interesting, right? They're very appealing. It looks cool. But until deep down inherently you actually validate some of the things that we're talking about, well, then the cover's off, right? Then the hood is off. Then it's like, all right, this works. Now I have to yep. figure out the how. That, that unlocks like the different tactical things and the sourcing and then all the other things that come along with it. The first is the validation. Now transitioning along here, let's get into like the how, right? So you've proven the validation, you've proven that it actually works. You actually see the money come back, right? As you put the things out. What's the first step in terms of spending that first $500, spending that first thousand and so on and so forth? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on how much money you have. Um, are we, are we just going online arbitrage today? Or yeah, what's yeah, we'll go cool. online arbitrage, but like, if you're Please. listening to this, you have some old used books, send those into Amazon, even if you're not going right. to make any money on just to see the process go. Cause it costs, you no money and it'll start teaching you the muscle of reading the data and stuff and then think about, right. So like, let's say online arbitrage specifically, right? So you want to be able Wait. to flip name brand products without running any ads, without creating your own product, without buying cheap cap from China, right? Just flipping basic stuff. Nike, Adidas, Converse, Lego, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So ideally you have like a thousand bucks and a little bit of time to watch some YouTube videos, get, get some reps in, like really like an hour or two a day, a thousand bucks. That's that's like the basic starter kit as to, uh, to what you'll need. Um, from there, you really just need to start getting the reps in, right? Something that I like, especially if you're, you're a little apprehensive, you don't, you know, you don't believe in the business, whatever. Go like, go, go, um, go, go, what's that? <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit apprehensive. Yeah, yeah, like nervous, worried. Yeah, that's too, good. Is good that too many boy. letters for, all uh, for the, Amazon all sellers? The potentially, <laughs> potentially. Um, but yeah, like something I really like, if you, you're super capital limited, that kind of thing, like paper trade a couple items. Like you'll see that in the stock trading world a lot. It's like, you know, I'm going to pretend to have bought this stock and then sell it two weeks later. And did I make money? Like do that while you're getting your account set up. So you're waiting for the postcard in the mail. All right, today I think I would have bought this item. 
check it three weeks from now. Oh, I would have made money, right? So there you go. You get that proof of concept without spending any money. Um, and then from there, it's literally just keep a seller ramp. That's it. 40 bucks a month. What other businesses can you start profitably for 40 bucks a month right away? Not a whole lot. And start diving through storefronts, right? You need to learn the brands that people are having success with. You need to learn, um, you know, within certain categories, like if you want to be in beauty or grocery, that kind of thing, like learn what brands are super well um, selling in those categories and just start digging through Google, trying to figure out where people are buying it from. Yeah, right. So the, the, uh, the, yeah, the breakdown of the initial cost, right? It's like a thousand bucks. But And the more the merrier. Uh, I started with less than that when I was just getting started reselling back in the day, right? The, but the breakdown of costs, right? So $40 a month for that professional Amazon Seller Central account. If you found this podcast, you're serious enough where you should yeah. probably go do that right now, right? Um, so $40 a month for that. You do not need an LLC. None of us are lawyers. None of us know your best personal situation. However, Amazon does not require it, right? And then you want to get Keepa, which is $20 a month and SellerAmp, which is $20 a month. A lot of people think a bunch of complicated software, not the case, right? Basic SKU labels and box from Walmart, right? And then you want to get your free shipping supplies. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can get these guys for free on the UPS website, right? And then some boxes from the USPS website as well. So that's, and then all the free coupon extensions too, but we'll talk about those when we're doing product research as well. Gary, you were saying? The cool thing is though, there's so much power in replication, right? I think between the three of us, we probably have hundreds of hours of live sourcing, right? And so what does that actually mean tactically for you the person that's watching this, listening to this video, right? If you go to any of our YouTube channels, we have live sourcing where we demo how we go about finding products, talking through that analyzation process, identifying good products, bad products, and different, right? And so tactically, it may not be those particular products that you go and buy and sell on Amazon, right? Just based on the exposure, how many people see it. However, the processes are going to remain the same. How we have gotten to that product the process that we the process that we use to find that product can translate to anything that you want to do, whether it's beauty in your case, whether it's toys, whether it's a particular niche, or whether it's the same clothing and shoes that we do a lot of sourcing on. The same processes are going to translate to you finding your first product, and your second, and your third, and your fourth, and your fifth, and so on and so forth. Right? As if you're spending ten thousand or a hundred thousand, the processes are not changing. It's just the amount of money that you spend that ultimately kind of scales. Yeah, I like what you're hitting on within the like you know, this will translate to beauty or whatever, right? Like I also want to talk about a couple things that like don't matter, right? So you're, we're trying to figure out what, what does matter, but also you don't need to find like the perfect product niche. Like that's a super common question we get all the time. Like, what should I start selling? Anything that's profitable? Yeah, whatever Anything you that find the, the data profitable. looks good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you don't need to be building crazy Google Sheets and have all like an accountant from day one, like all this kind of stuff. Like it is it is a legit business, but if you if you you know you're you're taking things the corporate route from day one, like you're just gonna grow super slow. Like super slow, um, yeah. keep it simple, like as simple as possible until you need help. If you you're like, all right, it's, it's tax time now. It's time to get the accountant, right? Or now I'm running into issues where hey, I want to be better at tracking the items. I've found I've found so many good items that I want to see the ones that I need to restock or like go back and buy it, buy again. That's where you start worrying about like Google sheets and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people like to jump in and do all this big complicated work, setting up their systems and they haven't done the, you know, the basic work of pedaling the bicycle of, of sourcing your first couple of products. Yeah. I mean, the biggest lever is always going to be within that sourcing skill. The better you get at sourcing, the better you find it, the better you get at finding products, the better you get at manufacturing that margin, getting that extra 10%, the 5%, 15% to make a good product in which the data looks good, profitable. 
that's going to be that skill that translates, right? And something we talk about a bunch is like it, really honestly, like just brute force your way to 5k profit per month and then iterate and then, then, optimize. It, then optimize. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also too, if you're you know, a complete beginner, you might be worried about getting ungated in these different products. Luckily, that's really easy to do in 2024. All big websites work, especially if it's the brand website or a gigantic retailer, Alta, Walmart, Nike, Target, Foot Locker, Soccer.com, ASOS, um, Champs, right, are all good front gating as well as any of the brand specific websites. All you need to do is purchase 10 of a product that's also listed on Amazon download that order confirmation email they give you ideally title it something nice and easy that's really easy to read asin underscore invoice underscore date maybe drop that in the comments as well um and it's normal that they might decline you a couple times life is way too short to worry about what they're saying in that decline and just as an anecdotal note from the universe the more you're worried about engaging the more times they're going to decline you as well so you got to you got to trust you got to trust us on this podcast. They can smell your fear. They can, right? It's a fact, <laughs> right? So you're. it's going to take a couple submissions typically, right? Converse even took me seven times. I had to resubmit just the same thing from champs again and again, right? But um, you got to tell you you need to change it. But don't, don't change, change it. Yeah, change yeah. the file name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But however, right? If they, if they do give it, you've submitted the same thing a bunch of times. Don't submit again with the same info. Switch it up a little bit. Add in that shipping email. Add in that email, that uh, delivery email. Add in the credit card statement. Add in a picture of the products as well, right? And such. So understand that you might get declined a couple of times. Completely normal. Everyone deals with it. Ungating is as easy as ever in 2024. If you guys were listening to this six months ago, we would have told you some uh, slightly different things. But luckily, tons of people are getting that done. And then also, um, there's also tons of smaller brands that you can get ungated in with no invoices needed, no emails needed from day one. And you can just uh, check out Warner and I's content on YouTube in the descriptions. We'll have that on the list for you guys as well. Just full smiles and fields of profit there as well. Because I know if someone's listening to this a little bit worried about that, go get all those auto one gates done. And then you'll start to recognize like, crap, I can sell, you know, a lot of products here from day one. And then go to your local Marshalls uh, or TJ Maxx, right? And scan everything. Like, what are your guys' thoughts on retail arbitrage for beginners and the benefits of it? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like if 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 proof of concept a, a, as soon as possible is the goal, then what better way than going out to the store and immediately getting hands on a product that is profitable right there. And genuinely, like I didn't do too much of it back in the day. I started doing more of it recently just to like show you guys and that kind of thing. But like there's actually a ton of stuff sitting on the shelf at Marshall's. Like Ooh. I've always been shocked every time I go. It's like, all right, this is like there's like a bunch of money sitting on the shelf here. So. Um, yeah, literally, you know, whip out the seller app, go to the store, go to the, if you have like a local outlet store, that's huge. Like you have a big leg up. There's only so many of those. Um, obviously a lot of people have like Marshall's TJ Maxx, that kind of thing. Um, and then just start sticking to, um, you know, big name brands, anything you've seen, like your, anything you've seen people wearing around the, you know, the, the store, any big beauty brands. Um, I really like hitting beauty and then like the clothing sections of those Marshall's sometimes some toys, maybe during the Christmas season, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I, I would probably focus there. And and that's just the best way to get the ball rolling. There is a lot of luxury, though, when you're shopping all right, because you have so much power in the the efficiency, right? You have the luxury to join a probably a bit more temporary markets that you wouldn't with online arbitrage, right? With OA, you buy something, it's at your house in four days, you ship it in, it's available in maybe two, three weeks. However, with RA, especially when you couple that with FBM, um, you can buy something on a Tuesday, have it listed in the store and it sell that Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever the case may be. I mean, sometimes right. before you even leave the store, those are the yeah, best. Exactly, so right? yeah. If you're looking at a shoe, yeah, yeah. if you're looking at like a shoe from the Nike outlet and the market's a little inflated, right? Maybe it's at 150 now and it's typically at like 120. 
well, you have so much speed to market, right? You can list it at 145, be the lowest offer, even in an inflated market and cash out with a sale the next day, a couple of days after. And if not, yeah. worst comes to worst, bring it back in a couple of weeks, bring it back in a couple of days. You gain the experience, you gain the knowledge share and be like, oh, that didn't work out how I expected. I'm going to iterate. I'm going to improve and continue to kind of compound all my experience knowledge as I'm, as I'm building this thing up. Yeah. And I've even seen some people like even in the same store, like if you're not sure if your item's going to sell, like list it while you're in the store, has, put it in your cart, see if it sells, hang out, keep sourcing products yeah, for another three minutes it. to the an hour. And then if it, it doesn't sell, put it back on the shelf. If it did, then there you go. You got your proof of concept. Like if, if you, for those like borderline items you're thinking about. Yeah. Cause typically if you don't have money, you do have time, at least if yeah. you're a young person, right? Like I, I used to like ride my bike to the thrift store to find books and stuff and like you just you learn a lot more than you think you do pretty quick if you're really getting into the mix taking action the problem is just that most people take like six months to do those first 10 hours that they could do in one saturday if they really wanted to right and what i like about ra too is that you guys will notice as you're doing more and more online arbitrage it's a little bit more complicated to make it work with online arbitrage because there's more competition right people are it's it's completely democratized anyone just at home their computer can do it not everyone can go to your local stores and scan for deals True. with the seller amp app, right? So with RA, the margins are typically a little bit higher, right? And then also um, it's because the margins are higher, you're more protected and you have more margin for air too. And there's typically less competition as well. And another thing that Garrett and I specifically did a ton when we were getting started with was merch to fulfilling, which was completely against traditional norms. And <laughs> it's still kind of against traditional norms, um, however, it's just an unbelievably tool for good tool for making products fast. So how do you guys think about merchant fulfilling for beginners? Yeah, I think we've been out. Uh, we've, we've been chipping away at the, the negative but, but, stigma uh, on FBA. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, what about the person who's, this is their first Amazon right. pod they're listening to, you know? And, and it's like, they go watch all these other videos from people who haven't gone and made 50K profit, haven't gone and made 70K profit one month with the stuff that think FBM doesn't work at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So FBM for those of you guys, it's your shipping items direct to the customer fulfilled by merchant is what it stands for. So um, the reason why it's so good, especially as a new seller is it cuts your cash flow cycle in half. So if, yeah. if you ship an item to FBA, typically you're going to take like two or three weeks before you start making sales. FBM, you can make sales the next hour. Uh, and so the, the massive benefit there is, you know, obviously you can test the concept and you can also as a new seller, you're probably gonna be placing a lot of test orders, right? So I don't know if this sells, I don't know what to look for in the data, only buy five. If you're FBAing that, you're not going to have that proof of concept for three weeks. So not only are you moving money slower, but also maybe the sale's gone or you know it's out of stock now. They just discontinued by now. If you FBM'd it, you made the sale three or four days after you made the order. Oh, it's still on sale. Oh, it's still in stock. It's going out. Of, going, you know, they're about to discontinue it, whatever it is, right? You can immediately then go, all right, let me get 100. Send those into FBA if that's what you want to do. But FBM just like the best way to to kind of prove the concept for you there, um, and as you kind of do that, you you basically like the the basic logistics. Um, whenever you make a sale, there'll be a little button on your your dashboard. You'll go go in there. You'll print your label through Amazon Seller Central, and then you get like uh, insurance and all that kind of stuff through Amazon. Uh, if you ever have like an, a a heavy product, look at like Pirate Ship Cubic Mail. But that's like the the basics of, of why it's really really important. Yeah. And some people think that like either FBA is more expensive or FBM is more expensive. Truth be told, it, it's about the yeah. same, right? Because when you FBA, you pay, you don't pay individual shipping because you ship your products bulk to Amazon in one box, but you do pay 
um, Amazon fees, FBA fees specifically. When you FBM, you don't pay FBA fees, but you do pay individual shipping through USPS or UPS. You're going to buy whatever's cheaper through Amazon, like Warner had mentioned right there. So it ends up being right about the same in terms of calculating FBM. You're going to just toggle on the FBM on SellerMap if you scroll down the prop calculator. And then if you want a good overview of estimating FBM shipping costs and a ton of other stuff, I have a free guide for you guys at howtofbm.com that's going to help you guys know the shipping costs and stuff and everything. So if you're taking notes, write that down, howtofbm, because that's going to be very helpful uh, for you as well. And then also, how do you actually identify if a listing is FBM, right? Because not every item is going to be FBMable because Amazon does tend to give more buy box share to FBA sellers. So what are some signs that an item is FBM friendly? Yeah, you you just want to uh to hop into um, either the Keepa or SellerAmp. Um, look at like the SellerAmp buy box statistics. Um, you can filter by type, and then just make sure there's a few sellers who are making sales recently as an FBM seller. Um, you can also like when you look at a listing, it'll say like sold by you know XYZ Corporation, and it'll also say shipped by XYZ Corporation. If they're in the buy box, like they're the little add to cart button, that's a good sign. You can probably make some sales as a as FBM. Yeah, and really the, the thing that you're trying to avoid is sending in something or, or keeping something FBM when 100% of the sales are going to FBA or 90 something percent of the sales are going FBM, right? That's what you're really trying to avoid. You're trying to avoid like those big like skewing factors as we call it, um, just to make sure you're not wasting time, right? If you, if, you, if you have the data in front of you, that's something that Amazon's algorithm is favoring FBA, you might as well use that to your advantage and, and maximize everything you got going on. Something I, th- I think that's also super important to kind of point out in your first call at four, six, eight months in, you know, building the Amazon thing is, is to really just take notes and document and um, iterate as you're buying, right? Every single purchase you make, you should be taking notes. What did you see? What did you like? What did you not like? What was the sales rank when you bought it? What was the price when you bought it? Right, because what happens is if you compound a lot of that experience share in an organized way over the first three months, you're going to outpace so many, so many, so many sellers that aren't taking those same notes, right? If it's March, you can go back to January, evaluate and understand that what you were thinking at that time, and then go back into those markets. This product was that sales rank this amount, offers were this amount. I, at that point, I was seeing something that I liked, but now in March, I can go back and really use, you know, just um, the current market to evaluate and understand and iterate your thinking at the time. And Miles, you know, you like to talk about a bunch of things about like using different sellers to your advantage as well. Oh yeah. Right. Like you don't want to be doing anything blind when you're a new seller, right? You want to be in terms of formal, just proctor research, right? We'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but looking at other sellers and then also just in general too, like the networking side of things in the Amazon community, we could, I could literally talk about this for an hour, like how important that is and everything. But basically, right. It's a little weird to think about if you're a little newer to the space, but you guys will notice as you're listening to more of the buy box bandits episodes, you're just following more broad people in the community. Like anyone listening to this, if you're really serious about the stuff, I would recommend going and following as many Amazon people on social media as you can, because you're just going to start to pick up on a bunch of free game, just randomly little tip here, little tip here, little tip here. And it's all going to aggregate in terms of teaching you stuff for free, right? Additionally, Warner, myself and Garrett, we all met about three years ago on social media. And we all six months later, after being friends with each other, we're making, you know, substantially more money and also having a lot of fun doing it. Right. So we really, really recommend exactly right. Just getting in community, looking for people, because 
probably thus far in your life, whether or not you want to think about it like that, the friends you have are kind of just based on convenience for the most part, right? The people you happen to be, you know, go to high school with or go to college with or, you know, coworkers, et cetera. The cool thing is there's tons of other people that actually do want to talk about the stuff that are online. And it's a really beneficial thing to actually be in the community, be talking to people and such, because you end up getting a lot of alpha you wouldn't normally find. You get to avoid a lot of mistakes. You get to find a lot of additional opportunities and such. So how do you guys think about networking and such within the community and the benefits and value in it? Yeah, people like to, uh, within any business, people like to talk about like networking, got to be like shaking hands, making a bunch of connections. Like what you guys got to remember is you're just trying to make a couple friends. That's like de demystify it. Don't don't let it feel like this big overwhelming thing. Like like Miles was talking about. Like most of your friends is probably you know it's your it's your college classmates, it's your coworkers. It's the same thing. We're all we're all peers here. We're all Amazon sellers. Um, and if you're doing it by yourself, you're gonna get you're gonna get super lonely, and you're gonna make less money. Um, so like Miles was talking about, like you you need a couple people in your corner. Um, easiest ways to do that, you know, may, post post your progress on Twitter. Hey, today I I bought my first item. Today, I shipped out my first boxes. Today, I shipped out my first 10 boxes at once, whatever it is, right? You're just sharing the journey, showing people that you're serious about it. And then also dive into like free communities. You know, Miles and I, uh, we have a free community. There's plenty of other great free communities out there. Just start answering people's questions. Um, find people at your sales level. Don't try to be like, hey, I'm, I'm selling $1,000 a month. You're a seven-figure seller. Let's, let's, let's network. There's probably not a value, not a value you can add, right? So it's a give and take. You're finding people at your sales level. Hey, check this out. I found this sale. I found this lead. They're gonna say, hey, I know you like to source shoes. I found this like kind of low key shoe site going on, and here here's a lead for you, right? So everybody gets richer when you when you kind of have some friends, and your competitors are only competitors when you when you when you say they are, right? They can be, you know, kind of your uh, your, your business partners almost if you play your cards right. It is a really cool thing and a concept to like be able to pick your coworkers. Right. right. A lot of people listening are probably nine to fivers, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like you show up to work, you're forced to work with specific people, right? You're forced to probably uh, report to a particular person. But here you get to handpick your squad. You get to handpick your dream team out of thousands and thousands of people that are online, all probably showing their personality, all probably talking about different things, different parts of the country. So it's a cool thing in that regard, but also just from more of like a compounding tactical perspective, like the experience share of six people all not holding back is going to outpace one or two, right? Because you've only experienced a certain amount of things, right? Whether it's by luck, whether it's by doing different things or whatever the case may be. But once you uh, uh, bring together the experience shares of five, six, four different people, that's going to compound something that's crazy, crazy powerful, right? Because if you have a product, You'd be like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Oh, I actually saw something like that a couple months ago, a couple of years ago. It didn't work out. Good to know. Let me use that information and have that adapt to my thinking about that particular scenario. And this is something that Miles and I joke about a bunch is like, sometimes you just also just need a little peer pressure to buy a little bit more than you would be comfortable doing stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, right? your, your feedback loop so much more efficient in that if you want to do this and you never talk to other sellers... You're and, and especially if you're not talking to the shows, you're probably not finding the best products. You're probably not finding super FBM friendly items too. You're not going to know if something was good for three weeks. Meanwhile, I'm going to know if something was good, pro probably a maximum of, you know, maybe an hour out or so if I'm ever not sure of something, just send it to one of my homies. And stuff. And the key is that that's available to all you guys and it's all free. Literally all of it is completely free, right? So it's a, it's a good idea to, you know, exist on the internet, document your progress is also an uncomfortable thing to do but the version of you that has what you want is not afraid of that right like he's not afraid to talk to the camera he's not afraid to track his progress online 
he's doing stuff with a long-term mindset. He's not worried about getting a direct ROI from everything. It all just aggregates. And the cool thing is any of you guys watching this can go scroll back on our pages specifically and what and look at what the uh, early documentation days for us looked like, which is literally like, all right, I went to a book sale today. I didn't find anything. And then someone's comments like, yo, did you see this place? You can find leads. And it's just like, it all aggregates stuff, which is a uh, pretty cool. And there's a reason every single uh, guest that comes on this podcast talks about that because it's very, very important. And the people that do it make all the money, find all the opportunity, all the opportunity flows up to the people that are giving themselves a chance to capture it. And that for most of you guys listening to this, there is precisely a 0% chance currently that anyone's going to be like, yo, did you see this? And then the second you, I mean, if we're being completely honest though, right there, there pretty much is because no one's going to DM an anonymous account that's never tweeted about Amazon. No one's even going to find it, right? But uh, over time, you can drastically skyrocket those chances and it gives you a lot more opportunity in that, uh, you know, the way we've been able to do software and do other things, do content and everything, other affiliate marketing, other opportunities to make money online come out of that. And you're not going to get the opportunity to do any of that if you're not out there in the community and such. And it's just a super important thing and everything as well. Okay, so another thing I want to touch on is getting super tactical around product research criteria. So if you're not taking notes and you're planning on taking notes, here's some of the most important stuff we can give you in terms of actually locating your first profitable products with online arbitrage. So I'll start out and hit on hit on just a, a few of the key points, right? So predominantly, you want to be staying under about a 100,000 sales rank, 150,000 sales rank, depending on how the chart looks to make sure you're buying products that are good. Right. And then about a, you know, $3 minimum profit per sale, you're going to build your own criteria over time. What are some other stuff people should be looking for in regards to product research criteria and, and market analysis? Uh, yeah. I mean, a couple come to mind, like the, uh, the buy box thing we were talking about, make sure that no one's hogging like a vast majority of the yeah. buy box. That's just like a quick validator that you can actually make sales as a third party seller. Um, you also want to make sure that the price is somewhat consistent. Yep. So like on the, you know, on seller ramp, you can click like 90 day average buy box price. And something I like to do, and I, I tell my team is for us to have at least like a 25% ROI at that 90 day average buy box price. So maybe it's a little bit cheaper in the past, but you don't want it to be, you know, $20 cheaper. It goes back to the price it was in the past and you end up losing a lot of money. That's where a huge percentage of the mistakes a lot of new sellers make comes from is buying those items. Where it's, well, it's $40 today when really it's like yeah. a $15 well, item that, that just does not belong there. Um, yeah, there's right. a ton more as well. Like we we can really get to get into it. Um, we we've got a I've got a free checklist on if you guys can check that out on my uh, my channel as well. Sure. But um, yeah, yeah what so, are some of the things you're looking at, Garrett? I think one of the biggest things that we haven't touched on is just like the offer count, right? You can learn a lot from, of course, in terms of you know things to avoid. One of the biggest indicators of of future buy box activity is that increasing offer count. So if you ever come across a product and it kind of looks like you know maybe Warner's talking about that inflated buy box, or even if it's not. If that offer count is starting to shoot up, that typically and most often is the case where that buy box is at some point inevitably going to start to drop. And that's just something you have to be alerted of and mindful of. But also kind of apart from that is, is just that offer count going up and down, that offer count oscillating. Of course, we want to be avoiding products that, you know, offer counts one or two where it's not a necessarily brand that we trust, right? Of course, if it's Nike, one or two lists don't offers on the on, offers on the product is a good scenario. But like that offer count going up and down there's only one reason why an offer account is going to be kind of oscillating that it's people going on the product, people going off the product that just shows that it's a healthy market. There's, there's people finding it, there's people selling it and shows a lot of good stuff in that product as well. Yeah. Right. So you want competition stable or going down. That's going to be the bottom chart on the Keepa, and then price stable or going up. That's going to be the pink line 
on the top, keep a chart as well. Also important to note that you're calculating your profit the way you should be doing it, right? So like, you know, ROI criteria right around like 35%, depending on the type of item. If it's like beauty or grocery, you can totally go a little bit lower on um, that as well. That's excluding cash back, although you definitely do want to be utilizing all the cash back and coupon extensions, which are as follows. So you want to get, and these are all free, literally just go, go download them now, right? Coupon birds, Rakuten, that's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Top cashback, Capital One Shopping, Be Frugal, uh, Retail Me Not, right? Um, so those are going to give you coupons and cashback. That's the difference between a lot of items being profitable and not being profitable. And then in terms of making sure your profit calculations are correct, you want to make sure that you have your state sales tax factored in on your seller amp settings. And then also that you have an estimate shipping cost of about 40 cents per pound, which is incredibly discounted. It's just luckily Amazon has a uh, bulk partnered shipping rates. As well, keeping going with that on the discount side of things, it's really important to note that when you're doing product research that you don't, and this is hard to conceptualize until you're really doing it, you typically don't really find items at profitable prices. You kind of make them profitable via like discounted gift cards from Card Bear and Top Cashback, coupons, holiday sales. And let's dig in a lot on that and the kind of manufacturing the margin, the building modes, because that's probably the most, that's like the biggest differentiating factor between people that find a lot of products and, and don't is, is manufacturing margin. Yeah, yeah I mean, I mean, a lot of different ways to kind of create that extra margin or make something profitable, right? You know, the first step is to understand what good data looks like with the sort of product market that you want to be buying into, whether that's profitable or not, right? That profitability piece is probably the most malleable aspect of a product, right? Sales rank is probably always what it's going to be, right? You're not going to really do much to make a 150 ranked or 250 ranked product 50, right? So sales rank and stability and an offer count are probably a good indication of what they will be moving forward. However, that profit piece, which is typically what we worry about last, as weird as that sounds, is because that's the most flexible, that's the most malleable, right? In terms of going down the list of all the ways that we can start to adjust that buy cost to fight for that extra margin, at the top, it's, of course, any sales, right? Any sales that the, that the site may be running, you can reach out to customer service to see if they have any offer count, any discount codes that maybe yeah, they're not like, advertising. Yeah, do that. Yeah, like you got, and then and then make a spreadsheet over time and track it too. It's so important. A lot of times there's like a 10% discount code, whether it's Shop WSS or Dick Sporting Goods. There's some 10% usual new member code, right? So start there. Look for any coupon codes, discount codes that you can utilize. After that, of course, you want to be taking advantage. And this is kind of like state dependent any sort of sales tax advantages, right? If you're looking to do this long-term, California is probably not the best place to be doing online arbitrage, right? You have an eight, 9% sales tax. You're just making your life harder. So you want to take advantage of any sales tax luxury that you can benefit from, whether it be um, using a sales to, uh, prep center in Oregon or Delaware or New Hampshire. Well, yeah, which is the play for almost everyone. Yeah. yeah. That's right. again, that's, that's probably worry about step Because that, I mean, that's a difference of three, two, four, five dollars in some cases, depending on how much you're buying things, right? That's the second. Of course, Miles already brought up like the Rakutins of the world, like the cashback portals, of course, don't depend on those because those are very um, inconsistent and unreliable in terms of like them actually paying out what you earned. Um, I know Rakuten pays out quarterly, which is kind of tough in making uh, kind of like manage that cash flow aspect. So we don't necessarily want to rely on those. But one we can rely on and kind of probably finish up the list here is, is discount of gift cards, which again, if you're on the outside looking into the space, probably sounds a little weird, probably sounds a little suspect, but it's essentially using something like um, gift card rookie or, or yeah, card cash or, yeah, or raise. Yeah. There's a ton of them. Uh, I know, Miles, you have a couple of aggregators that you like. It's essentially buying a $100 gift card for 97 or 94 or 96, right? And 
really embedding another two, three, four percent buy cost into your margin, and that's immediately helping the products that you're buying. Yeah, another yeah. Uh, pretty good point in terms of like just overall all in arbitrage. Like, you guys would be shocked that for the most part, we're pretty much just buying from like big websites like Nike, Kohl's, Dick's Sporting Goods, Shop, WSS, etc. The key is that it's not like finding some esoteric, like hidden supplier, right? For all in arbitrage, it's all in discounts, like Garrett mentioned. So coupon codes, making sure another really good thing you can do is go create a burner Gmail address and get on the email list of as many websites as possible so that they feed you deals that are going on. Like for example, some of these different websites, like with Valentine's Day, are going to have early Valentine's Day sales, then St. Patrick's Day, then Easter, all that stuff going on as well is uh, pretty cool too. And then also in terms of if you're ever worried if a site's legit, always check Trustpilot, their Google reviews, look around those show some social media as well, check out via PayPal and then look up their address too to see if they're uh, around there. Yeah, and within the profitability discussion, all these different things, like um, the biggest thing you need to remember is the items you're buying with less discounts, you need to be more strict with, right? Because it's going to oh, get easier to find. Point. So if you're buying a product from walmart.com and you're listing the one pack and the UPC is the right UPC and a software can see that, it better be really fast selling. It better be really profitable, right? On the flip side, if you're like, it's a sale plus you're stacking a coupon code plus you're stacking a discounted gift card and it's really limited, like you could go fairly low. Like you could even go 30, 35% ROI. That product from Walmart, you're probably looking for 70, 80. Like it just needs to factor in that risk. The same goes for um, sales volume, right? So the the faster it sells, the less time in between each sale. So the less risk you have of price tanking, right? So you know, faster selling, more discounts, you can get a little bit less greedy in terms of the the metrics you're looking for, and you can usually buy a lot more. Yeah, and we've kind of floated around like the the moat term a couple of times in this this podcast, but you you really hit on it, right? The smaller the moat, the more aggressive you have to be, right? For example, if we're talking about Nike sale. And they're doing a big site-wide 25% off, 30% off. And you're on the first row, the first page, and one of those products is 25% or like a 13, 14, 15% margin, profit margin, right? That's most likely a pass, right? Because yes, it's 13, 14, 15% margin, which is probably pretty standard, probably pretty good for most sourcing criteria. However, if we evaluate how you found the product, it's a code everyone has. It's thousands of people got the same Nike site-wide sale. It's the very first product, and you probably Google it right from the product name, and it's on Amazon first row. Think about how many how many people are going to go through that same sort of process. And not to say you can't buy that product, you just have to be a way more strict, way more aggressive. So maybe it's not the the same baseline fifteen percent margin that you're looking for on that product. Maybe it's twenty five percent margin or thirty percent margin, right? Because you increase your barrier, your room for your wiggle room, your room for error. Right. There's a lot more room between 30% and break even or 30% and your baseline of 10% margin as there is in the same 15%, 12% margin at zero. You have just so much more room for error because we understand that because it was so easy to find, because it's a sale in sight and everyone knows about, a lot of people would probably join the market, which pushes the price down, which now that 30% margin that you were looking at that you were salivating over probably is going to turn into 15, 16, inevitably because the exposure, because the moat is so small. You didn't really do anything special. Yeah, and just thinking thinking tactically on that kind of stuff, if you're not sure how to like, oh, there's a big sale going on. I know they're talking about sourcing at that website. Uh, if you're like a true beginner, start looking through the storefronts of people who are selling that brand. 
So open up, you know, a Nike sale in this example, open up somebody who's selling a Nike item, ideally maybe something profitably. So see if one of us has made a video looking at Nike recently and start from that ASIN in, the, in that video. Um, and then just start filtering down. You can literally click the brand. It'll show you only their Nike stuff. And they've already done the work of finding profitable items, right? So then it's your goal to see, is it on that sale? Is it at the same price? Can I get it cheaper than they bought it maybe? Um, and the other kind of more, a little slightly more advanced way that um, I like to do it is if you're looking at a, a shoe or a clothing item, like usually the more boring it is, the faster it's going to sell. So think like, you know, the the black colorways, the white shoes, all that kind of stuff. And then go up to the Seller Chrome extension, click the button. And it's going to search that item for you all on the same page. So you're not having to copy paste, switch to Amazon over and over again. That's also really good if you're looking at maybe there's a grocery sale or a vitamin sale. Click that button. It'll pull the title and then add like pack of. And then it'll it'll show you like all the two packs, the six packs, the 12 pack, and maybe nothing's profitable except for the, you know, the three pack. And other people are going to miss that kind of stuff just because they're relying on software and all that. Yeah. And as a beginner, you only want to be looking at product at brands that you know are reseller friendly, which means you found and you saw that other people are selling them. So if you want to, in the next five minutes, automatically know 50 plus reseller friendly brands. One, go on YouTube and find the auto one gaming list we give out. There's going to be a thousand of them on there, but go to a Nike listing, open up all the seller storefronts with Starup. And now your brain is subconsciously downloading all those data points you're seeing in people's storefronts, Nike, Adidas, Puma, Converse, uh, Summer Fridays, Glossier, whatever, yada, 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 tons of Under Armour, right? Tons of brands, right? And now you're automatically knowing reseller friendly brands. And now you know what to search for what's get ungated for, et cetera, as you're finding stuff properly and such too. As we finish up here, what are some traits of successful beginners um, in terms of like how you know someone's going to make it immediately if you see someone do an XYZ thing or the the good questions people, what are the bad questions people ask, you know, all that kind of stuff to help people be as successful as possible. Yeah. The biggest thing with probably any business is self-starting. Like, you can tell based on the types of questions oh, I want to get asking, started. Like, any any tips? Any right. Tips? Yeah. 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 Tips? yeah. This uh, that's a good that's a great example. Like, oh, I've been thinking about starting. Do you have any tips for me? Is yeah. a terrible like you haven't done any research. You're not like you know you can Google that if mm-hmm. you're asking if you're asking people yeah, on the Googling internet questions you can easily Google. Scale. Then yeah, you're 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 probably yeah, in bad shape. On the flip side, if you get the question where it's like, hey, I stumbled onto this item and it's FBM and I'm looking, do you think I can get buy box rotation? on this. That is very obvious that you've searched, you've done the research, you know how to find products, you know what FBM is like. And it's like, you know, this is my first time. Like, can I make a sale on this? That's a completely realistic question, right? So self-starting and, and knowing that Google exists is maybe the yeah, number one factor. Shit, for uh... Another another terrible question is, how quickly can I make X oh, amount? It's Insert not going to work. Number. Yeah, it's just yeah. not going to work. Because that's how the quickly, thing. How long, how much time does it take to make yeah. X number per month or it, X number per week. Because if you were the type of person that was capable of making money fast, you would be doing it. You wouldn't be asking the question. You got to build yourself, right? Go, re- go read a book too. Go go read the slide out. You know, go read a book as well. <laughs> if you, if you've read a book in the past couple weeks you probably, and you're listening to you probably got to read a book as well, right? So four hour work week, rich dad, poor dad, the slide ad, the compound effect. Go read those. Go on YouTube and search NAV, AL, how to get rich. Naval, how to get rich. Listen to those three hours. Very, very important. And also, I would say the more someone's willing to own that they're doing this, by far the most more likely they are to succeed. Because a ton of you guys listen to this, you're very afraid of failing. So you're very afraid of owning this as a part of your identity in your life, right? So you think like you're deathly afraid of posting about this on social media. Yeah, heaven forbid one of your real life people Some of your high school friends might find. And what if it doesn't work? 
one, it's on you if it doesn't work and you have the capabilities to make it work, right? And then it'll be a cool thing. But yeah, just being open as to talk about it, right? Because, you know, the best real estate agent has the most real estate conversations. The best Amazon seller has the most Amazon seller conversations. And if you're only ever talking about it with people in your small town who don't give a shit, right? And you're not finding like-minded people on the internet to build with, it's going to be a lot harder too and such, right? So if you guys are just getting, you know, going with the stuff, right? Checklist to do today, Amazon seller account, right? Uh, you want to go on YouTube, search fields of profit, search all out Amazon, push miles, watch a bunch of videos, right? Free course, especially do all those auto on gate ASINs, right? Seller amp and keep the subscriptions, basic supplies, and then do the auto one gates and get to your local marshals and scan 500 products as quick as possible. Most people delay that first 10 hours, like six months, and you can literally do it tomorrow if you want to. And then you're ahead of 99% of people. And bonus points, if you document your progress on Twitter, or Instagram, that costs nothing and will uh, benefit you far more than you have any idea the first couple of years. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah, don't let that first 10 hours become something that you drag out. Yeah, I like, do it I like today. how you're putting it. Do it yeah. today. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like the version of you who has what you want does it today. And then our DMs are always open if you have any questions to the Amazon community. And it's a fun thing. It's not intimidating, right? We're we're here to help. Um, ideally, if you can't find the questions on Google, right? We live stream all the time on social. We've got a ton of good podcast episodes. And I uh, appreciate you coming on, Warner. Go follow the man right there, Fields of Profit. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Go take action, boys. Cool. All right.